Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Well, welcome to, is this season five? Yeah, I don't actually, I don't know. I think it is. Yeah. We only loosely keep track. (laughs) Yeah, we loosely keep track at this point, but I feel like a lot of big podcasters, they don't even do seasons anymore. They just like record whenever they can. Today, we're talking about that I went to Lords, which we hinted at last episode. <laughs> and yeah, how was it there? Um, it was great. Uh, we I think before we uh, share this episode, well, maybe along with sharing it, I'll share some of my pictures. Um on our podcast Instagram so you should go over there if you don't follow us but I I it was kind of everything I expected and not what I expected I don't know how to explain it I had not seen any pictures of it besides the actual grotto where Mary appeared to Bernadette um so I knew what that looked like because you see pictures of that everywhere but I had not really like looked at pictures of lords because I just wanted to not have expectations I think I said before I just want to go into this without expectations and I kind of want to like let God just do whatever he's gonna do while I'm there um because I don't want to be like disappointed or I don't know I don't want to have a lot of expectations so I didn't even look at any pictures of lords but lords was so much more beautiful than I even expected yeah it's up in the Pyrenees mountains so it's surrounded by mountains, which are just absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, I mean, Megan, you've been to Greece and you've been to mountains and I just feel like there's just no way to describe. And then just the way that European cities look is just so beautiful. And I just think Europe is so much more beautiful than the United States. Like it just is. <laughs> we have beautiful places with mountains and such, but just like the town and everything around it mm-hmm. and the culture... I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm also not familiar with it, but it's just so great to me. But yeah, it was beautiful. And the church there is ridiculous. The cathedral at Lourdes, which, yeah, we'll share a lot of pictures, but in the cathedral, which basically looks like if you walk into Disneyland, it kind of looks like the castle at Disneyland. And so there's the joke that Lourdes is like Catholic Disneyland because it's just so gorgeous (laughs) and it kind of looks like a palace, the church there. Um, and that was one of my favorite moments when I walked into Lords the first time, um, like we got to the hotel first the night before, and then we walked down to the actual shrine and just like walking down and seeing it for the first time. I walked in with my friend and I was literally just like hitting him on the arm because I was so excited and it was so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, there's like five churches in this one church. <laughs> there's <Wow>. like... <laughs> On the lower level, you can walk up and there's stairs and you can walk in and there's like a beautiful cathedral. I think it's like the biggest of all the cathedrals. And then on either side, there's like from either the bottom, you can go up this set of stairs to go toward like the top or on the side, there's like two giant ramps that you like can go up and you can get to the top and there's a bottom door you can go in. That's one cathedral. And there's a set of two little stairs (laughs) above that door where you could go in and then go in and there's a different church. And at the very top one, there's two side chapels off to the side before you would walk into the main church. Um, so there's like five churches in this one giant church. Um, and I don't know the history exactly of like how long it took. Cause I'm sure assuming it took a long time to like build 
an add-on and all of that. I don't know exactly how long all of that took, but yeah, that was super cool. And we went with a Catholic priest. He's the one that led the pilgrimage. And he's one of, there's like a thousand priests that are like official priests of the shrine and lords. And he's one of them because he's been going there for so long. So he got that status. So we were able to say, to have mass said in different parts of the cathedral. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's really hard to explain unless you've been there, but it's, yeah, it's definitely very beautiful and stunning. And I had a great time, which I guess I'll talk all about in this episode. So stay tuned. (laughs) So for someone like me who did not grow up with many Catholics, I'm not super (laughs) familiar with a lot of the like Marian apparitions or anything like really until I think I was friends with you. I didn't even know it was a thing. So for someone listening who's maybe in a similar position, what is the significance and the history of Lourdes? Okay. So I guess I can start with that. Um, So I'm going to go to my notes here because I don't want to mess it up. This region of France, which where Lourdes is, was a strategic stronghold during medieval times. And it's like situated at the foot of the Pyrenees, which I talked about. And the medieval castle of Lourdes provided protection against foreign forces. Um, So this was like a very significant part of France. During the Hundred Years' War, the French captured this region from the English in 1406 after an 18-month siege. Um, the medieval castle was used as a state prison from the re- um, from the reign of Louis the Fourteenth. So that's something interesting. So in 1858, basically when we believe that Mary appeared to Bernadette, it was still known as a military and state stronghold. So like this place that now has been turned into like this very religious town before was a military and like state stronghold um so we believe it was in 1858 so i don't know how many years ago that was at this point a long time between february 11th and july 16th um the virgin mary appeared to this young peasant girl named bernadette um i don't know how to say her last name it starts with an s but we'll put it in the show notes um she was a 14 year old girl And we believe that she appeared to her uh, 18 different times. And I won't get into the details of each of those apparitions, but I'll leave a link if you want to, like, read the story of some of the more significant apparitions. Um, But basically, ever since then, uh, during one of the apparitions, she told Bernadette to go and to start digging and a miraculous spring appeared and she told Bernadette to like bathe herself in the water and drink from the water. Um, and it's from that spring that at the time of Bernadette, I believe there were two miraculous healings that happened. And that's what started kind of drawing attention of people that um, now, hundreds of years later, I think it's 8 million people every year go to the shrine to drink the water and like pray there and ask for healing and for grace um so that's kind of like a mini history of the place and i can get into more details like as we go about different apparitions and things that happened but that's why like a basic history is that we believe she appeared to bernadette and a spring appeared she told her to go dig and they talk about at the time that people thought she was crazy (laughs) because she was going and like digging and like drinking the water and basically had like mud all over her face because the water was all muddy and people were like what 
is happening because they couldn't see Mary. That's something also that during these Marian apparitions, it's only the one person that can actually see Mary. So no one else around her could see Mary. So they were kind of like, what is happening? Um, Because during the time she saw Mary and then she went and was like telling people that she saw someone there. At first, she thought she was crazy. She was like, wait a second, like what is happening? Um, And people started to like follow her there and like, be with her as Mary would appear to go and pray because some people believed like, oh, she must actually be seeing something divine or someone divine. They weren't really sure exactly who. And that's how it started to gain traction. And then from, yeah, from the shrine, uh, from the spring that came, there were two immediate like miraculous healings that happened. So that was part of the like proof that this was actually divine and not either that she was crazy or, <laughs> or something demonic um because you also have to rule out that it's not like a demon trying to present itself as like something divine something else that happened was as these subsequent visits were happening the lady asked for a chapel to be built on the grounds for bernadette to pray for the conversion of sinners and for her to drink the spring water that was revealed to her at the grotto so if you listen to our episode um about our lady of guadalupe which was another marian apparition that was also one where mary asked juan diego to have a church be built and he went to the bishop and the bishop was like i don't care like you're not important to me and i don't believe you that anyone is appearing to you from heaven um and basically turned him away and then he had to come back and there were like miraculous signs shown to the bishop to like prove to him that it was actually miraculous um, a similar thing happened with Bernadette. Um, she was an illiterate, uneducated peasant um, who her actually her family at the time was very poor. Like they went through financial troubles and they all lived in this like little like this um, old prison that had been abandoned. They all lived in this one room. And we actually got to visit that room. And Lourdes, you can like take footsteps to see where she lived and where her family lived. Um, and her father was put in prison because he was accused of like not providing for his family and then being malnourished and he was accused of all of these things so like her family also did not have a good um reputation in the town and she was just like this old like peasant girl that couldn't read couldn't write couldn't do anything so she was just seen as very not important so when she went to the bishop and she spoke in a dialect that was also like very uneducated the people that spoke in her dialect um so he didn't believe her and one of the reasons that he did eventually believe her was one she asked for roses to grow it was like the dead of the winter there and like roses grew where they shouldn't have grown or like there was no reason that they should have so that was one sign and then another sign was when mary appeared to her she never like said to bernadette i am mary um and so she would appear and bernadette just felt like this inner peace that it was someone from heaven but she eventually like kept asking her she was like who are you who are you? Like, can you please tell me? Because a few, many of the apparitions, she didn't even speak. She was just completely silent. Bernadette like wrote down like her experience with all of them. Um, and she wrote that she said that she was, I am the immaculate conception, which is something that she said to Bernadette and Bernadette um, ran back to the Bishop and kept repeating it over and over again, because she didn't know what it meant. She was not educated. She had no idea what I am the Im immaculate conception meant. And she ran back to the bishop and kept repeating it to herself over and over and went to him. And then he was like, oh, 
this must be she must be actually seeing somebody from heaven she's not lying to me because there's no reason that she should know what that means she doesn't know what it means um and that's how he knew it was the blessed mother because four years earlier was when the church had established the doctrine of the immaculate conception of mary which is four years earlier so that was interesting that it was only four years later and at the shrine right under where mary is where we believe like she appeared there's a statue of mary and it says right there like yo soy like something whatever the dialect k soy immaculate conception or whatever the dialect is that she would have said it to bernadette in um so that was another sign that it was like okay she's not lying and she's not crazy because there's no re- way she could have come up with this herself and i then i think it was two years later actually i don't know how many years later it was i think i have it here that the bishop finally like declared I think it was four years later, four years after he actually declared that it was Mary and that people were approved to go to the site and drink the water and that it could become like a religious site. Because then we can talk about that more too. Like it has to go through approval that it can be seen as like a religious site that pilgrims can go to um, and pray and have mass and like all of that. And now it's turned into, I think like the biggest one. I'd have to look up if Guadalupe is more heavily visited, but it's definitely one of the top three. Fatima, Lourdes, Guadalupe are the most popular. So that's just a rundown of some of the history. And like I said, I'll leave links so that you can read more about this yourself if you're interested, because that's just some of it. Um, Yeah, I don't know, Megan, if you have any questions or (laughs) that's like basically, yeah, just an overview. You said it was 1853? 1858. Mm-hmm. On February when 11th. Was, do you remember when uh, Guadalupe was? Guadalupe was way before that. I think that was okay. the 1600s. Let me look that up really quickly. I should know that, but I cannot think of it off the top of my head, but it was first. Yeah. Yeah. You guys should go and listen to that episode if you haven't, because that would also, there's a lot of connections. Um. Oh, that was even before. It was 1531. Um, so I was way before, <laughs> was like 300 years before. Um, but something that I think is really interesting is that every time she's appeared to someone, it's been someone that's very insignificant and not important and someone that no one believes at first. <laughs> um, which, yeah, that's something that I think is really moving for me as someone that fully believes in the apparitions. And I know for people, especially for Guadalupe, it's like very moving for people that might also be the same race as the person that they were appeared to or like the same status. Or I think it just shows how God really does raise up. Like he says in scripture, like he raises up the lowly and he, it's not often the people that as a worldly status are seen as important or wealthy or rich or educated that God sees. Like that's not what makes that's not what makes someone important or holy in the eyes of God. And that's something that's really special about Lords and very apparent at Lords is that the people that the world sees is not that useful or not that worthy. And especially in history before Jesus came, that if someone was disabled or sick or old, they used to just literally kill them or like throw them off a cliff because they were not seen as useful. And those are like the VIP of Lords are the sick, the elderly, the old, the poor, um they're treated with such 
like reverence and so are so withheld like there's um a special place in lords where when they come to visit like they get to stay <laughs> is in these like very nice residents like on the, these nice like right by the shrine these very nice rooms and such so I don't know. I just think that's something that's always been special to me about the apparitions is they've, they've always been to people that the world would not see as important or as significant. Um, and I think that just goes along very well with the Christian message as well. I don't know. That is something that always touches me because she was just this 14-year-old little peasant girl. Also similar to that Jesus decided to be born of someone that was not important. <laughs> like in his, you know, Mary was not, I don't know, very important at the time. So I don't know. I think that's something that's just always been really touching to me. And I know also in our episode when we talked about Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, we talked about like what she looked like or whatever, that she looked like this Aztec princess. How mm -hmm. did Bernadette describe like just her appearance? She was just this glowing woman um, and she was dressed in white and she had two yellow roses at her feet. And I think she had like a blue ribbon around her waist. There was nothing like super theological, like significant about the way that she appeared. She just basically described her as this like very beautiful woman that gave her a lot of peace. Um, and that's kind of just how she's portrayed like now in all of the statues is just dressed in white. We should, we'll have like a picture you can look at on, on our Instagram, but um, I don't know if I could show a picture of her. <laughs> on here but yeah there was a lot more significance like the theological significance of our lady of guadalupe i feel like at least like to me i don't know she's like not symbolism. even really yeah she's not even shown with like a skin color um most of the time she's just like white and what i mean by white is like statue like not like she has white skin like marble. <laughs> yeah like marble like she was just um described as just like this beautiful glowing woman like she wasn't really like a specific significant or like specific skin color so I thought think that was interesting too yeah we can cut one in. but literally because mine looks it just looks white like the wall but low-key that's pretty much just like <laughs> what she looks like but yeah she has two little yellow or yeah yellow roses at her feet que soy era immaculata conceptio I sounded so American and so <laughs> trying to <laughs> pronounce that, but honestly, I don't know what the accent was because it wasn't just French. It, that on that's like a mix of like Spanish and French. Like it was just some dialect that there at the time. I don't really know what it was. It wasn't French or Spanish as we would think of it today. Yeah, I, I guess you I could mentioned talk about the spring, like, which is significant. Yeah, um, and that there were miracles there. Do you want to go into that? Maybe like what miracles took place there? How? those were like verified or what's the criteria for that yeah so um I guess I can get to a little bit before that of like why I specifically wanted to go to Lourdes because that's what draws people there obviously is the water and to go and drink from the water to ask for healing and I brought actually a lot of that water back with me it's funny I have like these giant water bottles filled with just like Lourdes water because you when you're around at the shrine you can go up to the grotto which is where Mary appeared and they the spring is there that it came from you can see it but they have it covered in like this like plastic I, I don't know like glass whatever you can't go up to the actual spring itself and like drink from it directly um but they have 
fountains that that spring flows to throughout the shrine that you can go up to and it's like the clearest most like it's interesting it kind of tastes like it came from rocks like it's been on rocks like it tastes really great and it's super clear it's like really weird I can look at it in my water bottles I have um but you can tell it's like from the earth (laughs) it like definitely tastes like it came from the earth and I mean it tastes really great but like it has been like going over rocks and yeah there's been different healings connected to those and I was going I was definitely praying for healing but I wasn't like expecting to get some huge miraculous healing I guess um but also I learned about Lord's back when I was in college and I knew that I always wanted to go there and it kind of just all came together very easily for me to go on this trip so I took it as a sign that I should go and I didn't know how much I was going to need it um (laughs) some things happened in my life after that where I was like wow I really see like why it felt specifically called to go to Lourdes this time in my life and this summer because I had no idea when I signed up how much I was going to actually need it and, um, yeah, I guess similar reason a lot of people go there is for healing and a strengthening of faith. Um, but going into it, I wasn't really, I think I said, I didn't have expectations for anything crazy or like super miraculous to happen. I definitely prayed for those. Um, and I brought a lot of prayer intentions with me. Like some people on the podcast gave intentions that I brought with me, um, that I prayed for while I was there and, yeah, it was just kind of a dream come true that I got to go there. I was like sitting at the shrine. I could not believe I was there. I had prayed about being there and wanting to be there for so long. And I was like, I'm literally sitting in France right now at this shrine where like I really believe Mary appeared and I can just go up as much as I want and like walk around and go and look at this spring. Um, and I can drink Lord's water as much as I want. And that was, yeah, it was just amazing to be there. Um, and I my experience there, it was great. It was a lot for me to unpack. It was there for a full week. And while I was there, I I think I said before I left that we were going to we were going to help this diocese that brings like elderly and disabled people from like the countryside of France. They come every year and they built a relationship with this priest that led our pilgrimage there, but we would come at the same time and then volunteer and help move like the disabled and the elderly from their diocese around the shrine. And I got to meet and my like Malad. So they call them the Malads, which means the sick in French. And that's what they call everyone that comes there, the Malads. And I, my Malad was Sister Agnes. And she was a 92-year-old French nun, uh, well, religious sister, who had been coming. I think she'd come before. And her two nieces came with her because she didn't have any kids because she was a religious sister. And they were just the sweetest ever. And most people only spoke French. <laughs> So I would try to communicate with them with like the little broken French that I could, but that was probably my favorite part. And it was just crazy how being there, we couldn't even speak the same language, but we were somehow able to like connect and build a relationship. And I think that's a huge beauty of the shrine as people from all over the world are coming together and we're all connected by this like one thing is that we are Catholics and really love our faith and believe in the beauty of the place that we're in. And it kind of like connects us. And I can't even explain like just the love that was between me and my Malad and like her two nieces that came and we couldn't even speak the same language. Um, and she gave me like a little keychain at the end of it that had Our Lady of Lords on one side and then St. Joseph on the other, which I thought was really beautiful because 
this year specifically, I've really built a relationship with St. Joseph and she didn't know that she couldn't know that. <laughs> and then I got her like a little rosary and gave it to her because hers was broken <laughs> and she called it Le Chaplet. She didn't know the word rosary, which is interesting because there is a word for rosary in French. That was definitely a really great experience. Um, and yeah, she'd been coming for years and a lot of the other people there had been coming for years, but I just love seeing how like, I don't know, just how important they were at the shrine. And a lot of them, like there were some that were deaf, that were blind, that were like severely autistic or like nonverbal in the group. And just the way that they were treated and the way they were reverenced and how they were just like so seen as so important there. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was really beautiful. And clearly there's something really special there that they come back over and over again, even if they're not miraculously healed, that like they love about being there. So yeah, it's something that you just like can't really describe when you're there. That's just very beautiful. And it's, there's something very present there. Like it's very obvious to me that God and the Holy Spirit are very present there. And there's just something very beautiful and special about Lourdes that you won't find many other places in the world because there's other Marian apparitions too, but very specifically Lourdes is where people that are like very sick or disabled come. Um, and I just thought that was awesome. But speaking of the miracles, <laughs> that's obviously something that people are all interested in. Zach Efron went to Lords. <laughs> his like series. Honestly, that's a great educational episode on Lords if you want to watch it. Um, because he actually meets with the medical, I think the person that's in charge of the medical bureau at Lords that approves the miracles that happen there. Zach Efron got to meet him. Um, and it was on like, yeah one of the like wonders of the world he was visiting and Lords was one of them because that's just how well known it is. Um, and he got to meet with the medical director. Um, and like I said, 8 million people every year come to Lords for healing. And I think there've been eight, over 8,000 claims have to date have been made to the medical bureau. Like, okay, I had this healing, like this happened to me, but only 70 since 1858 have been actually approved. Um, and I think that goes to show how strict they are with the criteria. Um, I personally think, like, I experienced a lot of healing at Lourdes, but none of it was something that I could, like, prove. Or, and it wasn't physical, you know, like a physical miraculous healing. Um, I think a lot of people go there and they receive, like, spiritual or mental or, like, whatever kind of healing. Um but it's not like there's just miraculous healings happening everywhere. It's not like some sensational, sensationalized place. Like, I don't know. I think especially maybe a Protestant context. I don't know, Megan, even like a very charismatic Catholic concept. There can be this like idea that like you go there and there's like people praying over each other and they're like, oh, this person was just healed or like whatever, like a very sensationalized like vibe of things. And that's not at all how it is at Lourdes. It's very reverent. It's very almost like not quiet because there's people walking around and talking, but like, it's very reverent. It's very like people are there just to pray and have mass and like be there together. Um, so it's not like that kind of vibe. <laughs> there's, um, and there's also not like, I don't know. I think it's about 35 claims per year are brought to the attention of the Lord's medical bureau, which it takes a lot to even be brought to the intention of the bureau, the review before that, but most of them are quickly dismissed three to five each year are investigated more thoroughly by um by the medical bureau comprising any doctors who were present in lords at the time the apparent cure took place 
and the medical bureau investigates the claim by examining the patient, the case notes, and any test results, which can include biopsies, x-rays, CT scans, blood test results, and so on. And if the conference decides that further investigation is warranted, the case is referred to the International Lords Medical Community, um, which is abbreviated in French to CMIL. Um, which is an international panel of about 20 experts in various medical disciplines and different religious beliefs. That's something they really, they don't want just like Catholics or someone that's going to be biased to say like, oh yeah, this is a miracle. And I think if they were trying to do that, they would say there were a lot more miracles there than they're actually like saying we can for sure say there have been. Um, And they meet annually and a full investigation requires that one of its members investigates every detail of the case in question and immerses themselves in the literature around that condition to assure that up-to-date academic knowledge is applied to the decision. Um, Because they don't want it to be like, oh, there actually is a cure for this or a way that this can cure itself, like just naturally or like scientifically, but we just like didn't do the, didn't study it enough or didn't do the, I don't know, what is what I'm looking for? Um, Didn't do the proper research and it actually can be explained naturally. Um, this information is presented then at the meeting and all that are present at the meeting have to basically vote on it. And for a cure to be recognized, the original diagnosis must be verified and confirmed beyond doubt because you don't want someone showing up and saying, I was cured from cancer. And then I never really had cancer, which I'm sure people try to do. Um, the diagnosis must be regarded as incurable with current means, although on going treatments do not disqualify the cure, I guess. Um, the cure must happen in association with the visit to Lourdes. So they actually have to go to Lourdes and drink the water. Um, typically while in Lourdes or in the vicinity of the shrine itself. Um, and then the cure must be immediate, a rapid resolution of symptoms and signs of the illness. It can't be like a slow, like, oh, over time it started to get better and then it was cured. It must be like an immediate, it's cured. And the cure must be complete with no residual impairment or deficit. And the cure must be permanent with no recurrence of it. So that's why it usually takes years for them to actually say that this was because they want to just see if nothing happens. (laughs) And they're not entitled to pronounce a cure as miraculous. This can only be done by the church. Um, So the Bureau may only pronounce that a cure is medically inexplicable. So after doctors look at it, they're like, we cannot explain how this cure happened or why it happened. There's no... Um, explanation and then that's given to the church and the church can decide if they want to say that this was a miraculous cure or not a full investigation takes a minimum of five years in order to to ensure that the cure is permanent and then it's not just some medical i don't know like phenomenon or the person is convincing themselves they're cured and it may take as long as 10 to 12 years for it to be recognized that it is miraculous and There are some exceptions to this if, like, it's just so phenomenal, like someone was paralyzed and then suddenly is not. And I shouldn't say, like, if someone was paralyzed and suddenly they're not because there can be cases of someone being paralyzed because of, like, PTSD or, like, mental illness or something that could just spontaneously cure itself. But they're talking about, like, they've seen x-rays of this person and there's a, like, medical, physical reason why they're paralyzed and then suddenly they're not. That can be sped up to, like, be um, said that it's miraculous because I think that the last miraculous healing that the um, shrine has recognized as miraculous was in 2016 is when it happened. And the people that went last year on the same trip that I went actually got to meet that person. 
which I was like, what the heck? Where is she? I want to meet her. Um, but it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say it was miraculous. They didn't, didn't declare it to mirac- miraculous until 2018. So that was like two full years of investigating, but hers was pretty severe. She couldn't even stand or walk or anything. And she explains that she went to the shrine, she drank the water, and then she was at mass and she heard, she's like, I heard a voice or like in my head saying, stand up. And so then she just stood up and she could stand and she was healed. Um, so she was the last, the last one to be medically recognized. Um, so I myself was like pretty in shock of how few miracles have been recognized and for me personally, it makes me believe that these actually all are miracles that are happening or healings, because I feel like if they were trying to lie or say that, like, this is where Mary's appearing or these miracles are happening, they would have said there were a lot more for shock value, um, because it actually creates a lot of questions in people that are like, 8 million people go there every year. Mm-hmm. Why are there not more healings? Why are there not more miraculous healings happening? And the church actually has a stance on this is that, first of all, we shouldn't be going out and like seeking miracles. There's even, I think, verses in the Bible that say like you shouldn't be seeking out, like chasing like these miraculous miracles for your belief. Well, first of all, like to believe, like Jesus is saying, like you should believe without seeing and you shouldn't need (laughs) miraculous healings. And it also should be noted that Bernadette, she actually was never like physically healed. She saw the one that actually saw Mary um, she suffered a lot because, first of all, of not being believed. Um, she was harassed. Her family was harassed. They, like, tried to arrest her and say she was crazy and all of this stuff for Mary appearing to her. And she also, like, greatly physically suffered. And she eventually entered into a convent and suffered the rest of her life physically. And one of the lines that's most famous from Lords is Mary saying, like, I cannot promise you happiness in this life, only in the next, like, free from suffering. And I think that's totally in line with scripture is that like, like we're going to (laughs) suffer on this side of heaven and we're not always going to be healed in the way that we think God should heal us. And I think that's something that any Christian can like recognize and agree with is that a lot of times we pray for healing and we go for a specific kind of healing and God either ends up healing us in a different way. Um, but like does not always grant us the physical healing from suffering that we want. And that was a huge lesson for me at the shrine as I went, like I had specific intentions and I had specific healing that I I wanted or that I prayed for. I didn't necessarily expect that I would get that. Um, But the healing and the way that I was healed was not some big showy, like miraculous, like, oh my gosh, I suddenly feel totally better. Like, this is great. (laughs) Um, for me, it was, I actually didn't even recognize, I could have left the shrine and I said, like, this was a beautiful experience. Um, I'm so happy I got to be here and have the experiences that I had. But like, if you had asked me when I was leaving, I would have said, like, I don't think I was healed at all. Like, I don't think I experienced any, I didn't feel God speak to me or say anything to me or like in any, like, I don't know, like supernatural, like way that you wouldn't experience in basic prayer or I didn't experience anything like that it actually was after I got back and I like started living my normal life again because you're off in France and you're in then we went to Barcelona after and you're not living your normal life so yeah everything does feel different and it wasn't until I like came back home and started like living my life well first of all I felt this like deeper spiritual maturity 
that like I can't really explain. Like I had this desire in me to read scripture and get up every morning and make the time to do that that I did not have before. And then when I was reading scripture, it just like resonated with me more deeply. It was almost like like when you read scripture sometimes you're like, oh yeah, this is great, but it's hard to really like relate to it or connect to it. And the only way I can explain it is like the scales from my eyes had been removed just like a little bit more. And like I was able to really understand, like connect and understand and like in my soul, like understand and believe and have faith in what Jesus was saying to me in the in the, the scriptures. Um, because I, I started by reading, like spending most time with the gospels and what Jesus was saying. And I don't like know how to explain it. It was just like, I just have a deeper faith in what you are saying to me, like in you and in your promises to me. And I can really like believe it and have peace in my soul about like you, Jesus, and what you say and your plans for my life. And it wasn't until like I'd been at home for longer and I was just like, I feel different. I like, it was like, I just grown and spiritual maturity. And it wasn't something I feel like it was kind of like, it was miraculous. And it was from me going to the shrine. And just in that, like, I didn't do anything for which like you never do for like the spirit to work in you, but it wasn't really like over time, like there was a clear difference from before I left. And when I came back (laughs) and I feel like it really wasn't answer to prayer because I prayed for deeper faith. That's what I said. Like, I just want to have deeper faith, Jesus. I want to trust in you. I want to have hope for my future. I think, I think I had mentioned this before, but like I recently in April went through a really, really hard breakup and I prayed for healing from my breakup and I didn't feel it immediately. Like I had a lot of, like, I processed a lot through it while I was there. Um, but when I got back, yeah, I just felt like this different, like lightness about it. Like it was like really heavy on me and I felt a difference. And I talked to my spiritual director about it and he was like, yeah, it just sounds like there was some kind of like healing in your soul or some deepening of your faith that you can't really describe. And like, how can you ever really describe how the spirit works? You can't. (laughs) It's almost something you have to experience yourself first to even like understand. And I don't think I'd ever experienced healing quite in that way. Um, Yeah. So I definitely felt like a difference after being there. And like I said, it wasn't some like moment. I couldn't tell you when or what or how or like what happened. I just went and I was just prayed and prayed and was like open to the spirit while I was there. And yeah, and I just felt different and I still do. And I kind of was waiting. I was like, is this just like, I don't know, like fake (laughs) or like sometimes when you leave a retreat or something, you're like, is this just like a spiritual high Or, and I would not say it was because I had a really hard time when I was there. And when I was in Europe, like I was not constantly happy. And like, this is amazing. I was like, no, I was really happy. I had a hard time when I was there. (laughs) I had a hard time when I was in Barcelona. I cried a lot. I felt a lot of sorrow and like sadness, but I just gave all of that to Jesus and asked him to like, help me through that. Um, And then I just, I did, I felt different and I couldn't really see it. I think until I started living my normal life again and like, Because then I was like, oh, I really am different. Like I was changed on this trip. Yeah. And it's something that like you just can't really explain. And I think like, yeah, there's been like 70 miracles at Lourdes. But I think there's a lot of healing that happens there that there would be no way to prove (laughs) 
or document or say like this happened. And I think there even are like other physical healings that happen there, but yeah, there's just no way to like sit there and medically prove, Oh yeah, this happened to me. So I definitely think there's something very, very special there. And that's been a lot of like people I've talked that have gone there. They're like, there's just a deepening of your faith. And I don't really know like how to describe it, but I think it's, it's, Pope Benedict talked about marrying apparitions and she, he said like, Mary doesn't come to create like sensationalism or like to make everything about her or like he, she should only always be pointing back to Christ. And I feel like that's almost how like my healing was. I was like, all that did for me was like, bring me closer to Jesus. And like, I felt a deeper connection with the scriptures. Um, I remember reading, I was reading um, the scripture where Peter is Jesus is out on the I forget what it was he asked Peter to walk toward him like walk on the water and Peter starts to like sink and starts to freak out and then Jesus of course saves him he says Lord save me and Jesus of course saves him and then he says oh you of little faith why did you doubt and I remember the first time I read that after coming back and I was like like it felt like someone like punched me in the face I was like oh my gosh yeah like why do I ever doubt anything that Jesus says to me (laughs) And I really actually believed it because I've read that so many times in my life, like over and over. And you're like, oh, I know, like I shouldn't doubt. Mm -hmm, I know, I know. Um, And it just, yeah. And I sat with that line for like a very, very long time. And Mm. still when I read it like a week later, I'm like, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I wish I could have come back and been like, I can prove that this is... this is really real and miraculous because I had this miraculous healing and now I don't feel any pain or something anymore, but that's just really not what happened for me. And I think, I think that's okay. I don't know, Megan, do you have any comments or questions? Anything else? Um, Does it make sense about how miracles are approved and like that whole process, how intense it actually really is? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like wise on the, on the part of the Catholic church to be very, discerning and like cautious because like you were saying like in one sense it's like it could be seen as like sort of a bummer like oh there's all these people that do have these miraculous experiences that are never like officially validated but I do think it's probably better to err on the side of being you know maybe a little more scrupulous and cautious about it because it does it does save you from criticism you know and like mistrust there so yeah I do find that interesting um I also just was thinking about the comment you made about like oh just seeking out miracles as a way to like strengthen our own faith or to like prove to ourselves um and it just makes me think of how you know even if we are miraculously healed it's it's not because of anything we did or that we deserved it more than the next person or whatever um you know, I think about in the gospels, like Jesus healed a lot of people, but he didn't heal everybody. (laughs) There was the story of the the lame man outside the temple that I'm sure Jesus passed by like several times. And yet in Acts, he's still there, still begging, still lame. And that's when Peter and John um, see him. And that's when he is then healed. And so it's just interesting to me, like, you know, our timetable or when we might expect it, like for that man, like, wouldn't you expect that when Jesus is walking on the earth, like that's your opportunity to be healed. So yeah, I just think that is like a poignant point to make 
than even your own experience of like it's often not like this schnazzy like wow like this crazy everybody look at me because in a sense that would be drawing attention to us and ourselves and like we should never be the focus of that so I think your experience of just having a deepening of faith a maturing of faith a greater trust and belief is like very beautiful um so yeah I'm very very happy for you yeah I think it's like just a further conversion um which we're constantly going through that as Christians, constantly being sanctified, like we're never perfect. <laughs> like we, mm-hmm. many of us, we might have this one moment where we like, this was the time I really believed in, like I came to the faith or like I converted or I reverted or I came back. Or if you're Protestant, you might leave, use the language like I was saved, but you're never done. <laughs> so you're right. never done converting your heart every day or done healing or sanct- being sanctified. So yeah. And that it just made me think like when Pope Benedict was talking about Lords, he was like, what really it was like calling us back to was not this like sensational sensationalism or like, I need to go to the shrine or like to have a great faith or whatever. It was like, just back to the basics, like following Jesus, like praying for conversion and just like living the basic like life of a Christian, which isn't basic, but you know, like, um, we shouldn't be out, yeah, seeking these like miraculous signs or like miraculous things or trying to like, yeah, like show off, I guess. It's like, no, we're just called to pray for sinners, pray for conversion and for more faith in Jesus and like reading the scriptures. And yeah, that's what I just thought was really cool about my experience there. And like you said, like it doesn't happen on our timetable. I just, yeah, I think it was even more of like, showing when I came back I didn't even immediately notice it (laughs) it was just something that was kind of there and it just further showed me how Jesus works a lot of the times our healing is a little bit of like a surprise in a very like quiet way and I had someone actually this was one of our interviews that we did was with um Michaela this is a major throwback (laughs) Um, (laughs) when she came on and she talked about like healing and all of that and her healing from her um from a broken engagement and then the restoration actually of her engagement and her getting married. But um, just that a lot of times the healing or the resurrection in our lives is always a surprise. And I just thought that that was, I don't know, this just felt like what my experience was. It was kind of like, oh, wow, wait. <laughs> um, and you can't really plan for it or expect it or know. And that's just sometimes I feel like how God works, which is really interesting. Now, I know probably a lot of the questions people also have in their heads are like, I know a lot of the questions that we got from people that don't don't know much about apparitions or doubt them or don't know, like, how is an apparition approved or like, what is the criteria for an apparition? And that is something also that the church is actually also very, very critical of and very careful about saying this is, um, we do like think this is a miraculous apparition apparition and something that Christians should like pray with or um, go visit the shrine or visit the site or like believe that there's miraculous properties in the water or like whatever it is. And I guess, yeah, some people ask like, how is this, how is it proven? So Hmm. first um, it actually goes to the local Bishop. He's the one that has the authority to say like this is an approved apparition it's not worthy of belief or it's not like contrary to the faith so there's actually three different areas 
Um, and I'm going to use the English, but they're actually in Latin, the different, <laughs> but I'm going to just going to use the, the English. So there's three different categories in which apparitions can be put in. There's one that is not worthy of belief. Um, so there was, I forget where it was, but there actually was um, a case where there was something supernatural happening and they were like, we think this is Mary. And there was something that happened where like roses appeared or like roses even showered from the sky, which has happened in other apparitions that have been deemed um, miraculous. And for some reason, the bishop actually was like, no, this is actually demonic. So we're not going to believe in this. So that was showing that just because there are miraculous things happening, quote unquote, or like supernatural things happening doesn't automatically mean that's one of the signs that it could be um, from heaven, but it's not always from heaven. It also could be from hell. So, um, so that was deemed like not worthy of belief. And it was put in the category of like, absolutely do not go here. Do not pray to what it like you think that there's something happening here. Like this is not, this is contrary to faith. And there's been times where they thought it was. And then um, Mary was saying something contrary to the gospels or contrary to what Jesus has already told us or to like the deposit of faith, what we already know to be true. And so they'll say like, no, this is a fraud or it's another spirit. Like this is not, or just somebody was lying, trying to get attention. And then there's a middle category of not contrary to the faith. Um, when locally it is decided or suggested that the report apparition might or might not be of supernatural origin, um, the apparition is assigned to the category of not contrary to the faith. Apparitions in this category do not enjoy approval of their supernatural character, but are determined to contain nothing that is contrary to faith and morals. So there's actually a um, apparition site that they say is still active right now that is in that category. It's um, called Our Lady of Medjugorje, and it's in Croatia. And I know people that have visited. There's actually a rosary in my house because my roommate, Therese, <laughs> went there um, from Medjugorje that's made like from the rocks there or something, this like huge rosary. But that's in the middle category right now because first, the alleged apparitions are still happening and they can't like make any decisions or say anything until the apparitions have ended. And basically it's in the middle where people are allowed to have like a private belief in it. They're allowed to go, they're allowed to pray, but you also like can totally reject it and say like, I don't think that Mary is there and I don't want to go there. And I don't like, yeah, you can publicly say like, no, I think that's fake. <laughs> it's kind of just in the middle category. And I don't know how I feel about it. Actually, I haven't done a lot of research and I have people in my life that have like very mixed feelings about that apparition site. <laughs> So that's like to be determined because apparently the apparitions are still happening. And one of the reasons people have a lot of questions because this is the longest the apparitions have happened at a place. Most times it's been like a very set amount of time and it's been to a very set amount of people. And this one, it's like the most amount of people, I guess, that can like see the apparitions. Um, so I don't really know what's going on there. <laughs> But it's kind of in the middle category right now. Like you're allowed to go. Um, and she's not said anything that's contrary to the faith either. The people that are saying that they're seeing Mary and what she's saying has not been anything. So it's not, I guess, like been claimed as dangerous, but it's just kind of in that middle category. And so the local bishop there has not said like either or it's not approved or disapproved and you're allowed to go, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know if the Pope has been there or not. That would be interesting to know. And then there's the approved apparitions, which there are 16 of those. That was one of the questions that people had. There are 16 
approved Marian apparitions. And that's that the supernatural character of the apparition is declared worthy of belief and contains nothing that is contrary to faith and morals. But belief in that apparition, even the truest one, is not necessary for salvation. Um, And that's also someone asked, which we can get more into, like, what spiritually do they play in your spirituality? Um, As Catholics, like, they're saying this is, we believe this is miraculous, and we're, like, definitely suggesting that you have a devotion and you go visit and it would probably be really good for your faith, (laughs) but you don't have to, and you don't have to have like any spiritual or personal devotion or anything to any of them. So yeah, you could be a Catholic and like perfectly good standing and not ever go to any of the apparition sites or like give them any notice basically, or any like thought. So I think that was that was one of the questions was like, well, do they believe as Catholics that you have to go or like you should go or that you have to like have any personal belief in them? Um, No. One caveat is that if the local bishop of where the apparition is happening, so like say the local bishop in Lourdes or whatever diocese that's under says like this is approved, the people of that diocese um, shouldn't outrightly be like this is fake or this is whatever or like be disrespectful toward it in um obedience of their bishop but they don't have to any have any personal devotion to it that's i guess that would be a question because i think it's kind of maybe a misconception too because from the outside they're so emphasized sometimes that you can assume like if i were catholic i would have to have a devotion to these things i would have to like believe in these things or pray mm-hmm these apparitions and you actually don't (laughs) and they're not like necessary for your salvation or for being a good catholic you said 16 uh approved ones right yes and i have a link where you could go to look at those 16 some like off the top of my head that i can think of are obviously our lady of guadalupe our lady of lords our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Knock in Ireland, which I really want to go to. And there's only one in the United States that's in that category of approved. And that's Our Lady of Good Health. And she's in Wisconsin, actually. Um, close hmm. to Megan. And I've been. <laughs> that's the first like approved Marian apparition that I've been to. I was there for like an hour. And it's totally not what you would expect. It's not at all like Lords, which is very gorgeous and beautiful. And people come to it's like very very small and like understated I guess you could say yeah it's not at all what I kind of I guess had in my head um it's not ornate it's not big or over the top it's like very yeah it looks like any basic like catholic church you would go to (laughs) in the world so I've been to more ornate churches here in Chicago that have no like connection to any apparitions so that one is that one's the only one that you could potentially go visit Megan without really any effort. <laughs> I forget where it is in Wisconsin. Just it might get be my like, car. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh well, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. And I know I part of the funny. question, part of the question on like being authenticated by the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. Someone asked, like, are there scriptures that the Catholic Church sees as um either just validating even just the idea of Mary like appearing or anyone appearing. Um, I know obviously like not that it would be necessary that you have scripture like proclaiming that that's something that would happen, but is there like scripture that the Catholic church would use to back up? Like this is a valid way, like a valid form of revelation, if that makes sense. I think the only thing they would say is that it can't, 
So that's part of the criteria, which I can read and like it being approved, but that it cannot in any way contradict to the deposit of faith that Jesus has like revealed in scripture. It just can't contradict anything because there have been cases where whatever like Mary is saying, it seemingly is contradicting what is in scripture. And so that's an immediate like it's not approved, it's disapproved. So that's, I think, what like the connection would be. Does that answer your question? Is that kind of like, because I think, no, I can't point, because when I first read that, what I was thinking was, is there a scripture that points to that this might happen (laughs) or something? And no, I couldn't point to like a specific scripture that's going to say, this is what is going to happen. Actually, when I was reading through like the church's proof of this, they actually brought up scripture that would be not against it but what they brought up was jesus saying like you should not look for signs to believe like blessed are those who believe and don't need any miracles or don't need any signs or anything like that so the church actually like what they were emphasizing is like these are really good and beautiful things from god but like they're not a necessary part of your salvation and this should not ever be used as like this is the the basis for our belief in anything like what we should be going back to is the deposit of faith and um, like what Jesus has revealed to us. And then we as a church believe like what the um, apostolic succession or like what is further revealed from like the deposit of faith as time goes on. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, And I do find it interesting. So specifically with Lords. Yeah. She basically um, confirmed, I guess you could say the immaculate conception which is not something explicitly in scripture. That's not right. something the Catholic church would even say. I, I think you would say maybe it's implicitly, but it's certainly mm-hmm. not explicitly in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kind of your thoughts on that? I think that what what they're saying is that it doesn't, so as a Catholic, like she didn't say anything that goes against scripture because we don't think that that's against scripture. We think it's implicitly in scripture and it's something that the church had already approved. So that her saying that doesn't go against anything that we as Catholics would believe or think that's it doesn't really contradict scripture um, because we do believe it's implicitly there. And I think that someone could see that as like further confirmation that the Immaculate Conception is true, but it's not the basis because it already was four years before that happened, like confirmed by the church and like something that we as Catholics were like called to believe in or like required to believe as like was a dogma in the church. So I guess what I like saying, like, it's not the basis of any of our theological beliefs because yeah, it's like not used as like, oh, so this is why we believe that she was immaculately conceived because she came and like told us this. We're like, no, she just was like further confirming what we already think is implicitly in scripture and what we already think is true. And the church has through apostolic succession and further like divine I shouldn't say revelation because we also believe that revelation ended at the end of Jesus, but like carrying on and basically further taking what Jesus revealed and then further unpacking that as history goes on. And like we have, that's a whole other conversation of like dogma development and all of that. Um, No one tell Gavin Ortland, get him on here. (laughs) We could talk about that. Um, That's one condition is that it can't in any way contradict scripture or go against like what the Catholic church has said or what, Jesus has said in the scriptures. And so that's what it's saying. Like the facts in the case are free of error 
And the person receiving the message psychologically has to be declared like psychologically balanced, honest, moral, sincere, and respectful of church authority. So they can't be deemed like they're schizophrenic and they're just seeing things because I've had a lot of people on the streets of Chicago tell me that they are seeing God or something. So yeah, you can't really (laughs) just think that that's immediately means that something is happening or something from heaven is happening. Um, Doctrinal errors are not attributed to God, um, our lady or to the saint that's appearing. So this is actually the criteria for any apparition, because I think someone asked like, why not Jesus? There actually have been apparitions of Jesus that we've talked about and of other saints like saying things. um, And they can't have any doctrinal errors. Uh, Theological and spiritual doctrines presented are free of error Money-making is not a motive involved in the events, and healthy religious devotion and spiritual fruits result with the evidence, with no evidence of collective hysteria. So, yeah, I think part of it is, uh, yeah, each of those things. The person has to be sane um, and respectful. There can't be any errors in what she's saying. And then, of course, any miraculous signs um, are signs that something supernatural is happening. Um And then the fruits of it have to be good. And in Lourdes, that was very obvious to me that the fruits were, I was just in shock that something that beautiful and that came like that gorgeous and that beautiful and that the Holy Spirit being so present came from Mary appearing to this 14 year old, like little peasant girl that was illiterate. And yeah, I don't know. I just, it was very like just humbling to me in the ways that I I feel like God works, that something that beautiful came from like Mary coming to, yeah, this just super insignificant little 14 year old. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. the fruits, yeah, have to be good. Um, And I don't really have any examples of things that have happened where the fruits weren't good. And then it was declared not legitimate. I guess I could study that more, but that's some of the criteria. And it usually takes a while for it to be confirmed 100%, like, approved by the local bishop and then the holy see also then can approve it as approved um so it would go up to the vatican but i thought it was interesting that the local bishop is actually the one that's in charge of like investigating and keeping tabs on it and all of that yeah that's just some of the criteria that they use and i'm really interested to see what happens in medjugorje because that's the only one Mm -hmm. that's very well known that's like actively happening in our lifetime whatever is happening there (laughs) um i had someone on the trip actually that had been to medjugorje and she didn't have any like miraculous experiences or anything but she said she went there and started praying the rosary and she felt like she like lost track of time and felt like mary was present with her and so she definitely believes that something is happening there I don't know. I actually honestly don't really have any thoughts. And I have a lot of people that are like, no, it's not Mary. So the people there are just lying. <laughs> oh, Interesting. I not tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like some Catholic tea. <laughs> I'm really interested. I actually would want to go visit myself, but I don't think just by going and visiting, you could be like, yeah, it's legitimate or not. Because first of all, I think you could go. And if you have a sincere heart and a sincere faith, even if no one's appearing there, like God could still be present to you in that place, if that makes sense. And then also something could be happening and you can go and not feel like anything because it's not really based on that. So I don't know. I would be really interested to see. 
what comes of all of that. So what does an apparition prove in your opinion or what does it convince you of? I had a few people ask this, like for you personally, because like you were saying, it's not required for your faith. It's not like Catholics have to even like have a special devotion. But for you, what do you feel it is convinced you of or significant to you? Um, For me, it definitely like shows me the intercession of Mary in our lives. And I feel like it does further give me faith in the Catholic church's teachings about Mary and that she is an intercessor in our lives and a very special intercessor in our lives above any of the other saints that we venerate and that Jesus does use her for a very specific purpose. Just like I, like we all believe that Jesus used her for a very specific purpose, um, to bring him into the world and in our salvation in that way. I think that Jesus continues to, and I do think that she appears to people. And I think that there's been great fruits and people having conversion and coming closer to God and to the church. And yeah, I I think it just gives me faith in, first of all, Jesus's love and mercy for us. And I had so much, so many experiences in the Lord's that just like furthered the message, message of the Christian gospel to me just in general. Um, so I just think there's a lot of good fruits that come from it and from like, it's just strengthened my faith in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think personally for me, yeah, it just further like not proves, but yeah, it gives me faith in the church's teachings on Mary. And I think that's, yeah, I don't know. I think in my, we all know my conversion experience, I think came through the intercession of Mary. And I feel that very strongly. And when I was learning about the apparitions, I had already previously like had this experience of feeling like the blessed mother interceding in my life and drawing me back to Jesus and to the Eucharist. And it all just like made sense in my head. I was like, oh yeah, well, that's what she did for me. So that's just like what she does for people is brings them closer to Jesus so, yeah. And then actually going to Lords and being there, I was like, I definitely see how God is using this and how this is just beautiful and bringing so much grace and healing into our world. And it's a place where God is very, very specifically present and I think is, yeah, doing a lot of good work. So that's for me. I think even if you aren't Catholic, a lot of people come to visit the shrine just because it really is this like like Zach Efron. Like it is just like this yeah. place that people are <laughs> mystified and like just really I don't know. I think it's something to see and I think it is just like beautiful and also yeah, it's in the middle of the Pyrenees mountains. So it's honestly a win-win <laughs> whether you have a really healing experience there or I think it's just something to see. Um if you ever have a chance to do like a day trip there or something. So something interesting i feel like we could go on and on about i know this topic or looking into the different ones but i am curious if if people have questions or want things clarified or have comments um just because i know for me it was something that like i totally had no conception of until like what the last few years so yeah it's definitely interesting um but yeah thank you for sharing your experience going there i think that's so beautiful and I will have to do a different episode since we want to wrap this up, but I didn't even, I've totally forgot that I visited another Marian apparition site for like 30 minutes in Paris before I even went to Lourdes, um, where the miraculous medal came from, which I wear and is my oh, tattoo. Yeah. 
And I got to see the incorrupt body of a saint that is not decaying. And I got to see it in person myself. And that was crazy. Because even as a Catholic, I've always kind of been like, that sounds fake. I don't really know (laughs) what's going on there. So yeah, I would have to like, yeah, I would love to share about that more at some point. 